Ehialumadin by Imam Ghazali Volume 3, Chapter 7 Love for Wealth There are many dangers and difficulties in the world, and the greatest danger is that of wealth. One of the dangers of wealth is that it cannot satisfy anybody, and nobody is safe even if he possesses enormous wealth and riches. If he loses his wealth, he becomes poor and poverty leads to infidelity. If his, wealth, if his wealth becomes enormous, it leads him to irreligiousness. Its ultimate result is loss. In short, wealth has got benefits and harms. Its benefits lead him to salvation and its harms lead him to destruction. It's very difficult to distinguish its good and bad and it's a good and evil. Only those who are experienced will know them. Man is tried by two conditions, solvency and poverty. He who has got no wealth meets with two conditions, satisfaction or greed. Satisfaction is good and greed is bad. Greed is also got two conditions. Number one, greed for the people who have got wealth. And number two, to engage oneself in dis different businesses and industries. The rich man meets also with two conditions, hoarding wealth or spending wealth. The former is bad and the latter is good. He who spends wealth with two conditions is either extravagant or moderate. The former is bad and the latter is good. We shall describe below these conditions in detail. Condemnation of the love of wealth. God says, O, be o believers, let not your wealth and children divert you from the remembrance of God. Those who do that are indeed the losers. God says, Your riches and children are a trial. God says, I will give full reward for the actions of those who desire the world's life and its adornments. God says, Surely man is inordinate as he thinks himself free from wants. 96 7. God says, Excess wealth will destroy you. The prophet said, Love for wealth and greed for power breed hypocrisy as rain grows grass in the earth. He also said, As two hungry tigers cause harm to goats by entering their fold, so also the love of riches and greed for power and for name and fame may make destruction by entering into the religion of a Muslim. The Prophet said, Those who have got enormous riches are ruined, but those who spend them for the good of the people are happy. Their number are few. The Prophet was once asked, O Prophet of God, who amongst your followers are bad? He said, The rich. The Prophet said, Thus people will appear after you who will eat various delicious dishes, ride different good conveyances, marry beautiful women and put on valuable dresses. Their belief will not be satisfied with little food and will not be satisfied with sufficient food. They will spend their energies in earning and they will worship gods except Allah and they will follow their low desires. By Muhammad the son of Abdullah, if your successors or those who will run after them meet them, they shall not salute them or treat them in their illness, nor attend their funeral prayer, nor honor their elders. He who does the above will help the destruction of Islam.
the prophet said leave the world to the worldly addicted man he who takes from the world in, in excess of what is necessary for him takes the path of destruction without his own knowledge the prophet said the son of adam says my wealth my wealth what connection have you got with your wealth you have destroyed what you have eaten you have rendered all what you have put on what have you what you have given in charity has gone and it has become permanent one day a man said to the prophet o prophet of god i don't love wealth what is this re what's his reason he said have you got any wealth he said o prophet of god i have got the prophet said spend your wealth in advance as the heart of a believer keeps attached with his wealth if he la leaves that wealth in this world his mind will wish to remain with it in this world the prophet said the son of adam has got three kinds of friends number one kind of friend remains with him till his death number two another kind of friend will go go with him to his grave and number three another kind of friend will remain with him to the day of judgment the friend which remains with him to his death is his wealth and the friend which goes with him up to his grave is his relatives and the friend which will remain with him till the day of judgment is his good deeds the disciples of jesus christ asked him what is the matter that you can walk upon water he said and asked them in return what value do you have to attach to gold and silver they said to us they are the most valuable he said to me gold and silver are the same as earth and dust salman farsi wrote to abu darda oh dear brother don't accumulate such things from the world for which you will not be able to express gratefulness as i have heard the prophet say the worldly man who spends wealth in obedience to god will be brought on the day of judgment with his wealth when he will be hanging to and from the bridge his wealth will tell, tell him you may go as you have paid god's dues then the worldly man who did not spend his wealth according to the injunctions of god will be brought and his wealth will be placed around his neck then he will be hanging on the bridge his wealth will say to him woe unto you you did not pay god's dues you will remain in such a condition his wealth will lead him to hell fire and destruction the prophet said when any man dies the angels say what wealth has he sent in advance but the people say what wealth has he left behind the prophet said don't inquire and buy landed properties if you do it you will love this world a certain man treated badly with abu darda who said O God, the body of a man who ill-treats me, keep the body of a man who ill-treats me sound, give him a long life and increase his wealth. If these three things are united in a person, disaster befalls on him. Hassan al-Basri said, By God, God makes him loud and humiliated who loves wealth. He said, When gold and silver are prepared, the devil lifted them and placed them on his forehead and kissed them out of love. And he said, he who loves you will truly be my slave muaz said gold and silver came to one like a snake don't go to catch it without learning beforehand its charms because when it touches you its poison will destroy you he was asked what are its charms he said earning it in a lawful manner and spending it moderately for god musallama son of abdullah malik 
went to the Khalifa Umar bin Abdulaziz at the time of his death and said to him, O commander of the faithful, you have done such good works as nobody did before. You are leaving thirteen sons and daughters, but you have left no property for them. Umar said, Bring them to me. When they came to him, he said to Musallama, You have said to me that I am leaving no property for my sons and my daughters. I have not prevented them to take what is their due, and have not given them what is due to others. My issues or my children belong to either of the two classes. If they are obedient to God, God is sufficient for them. God gives power to the pious. Number two, if they are disobedient to God, I do not care to whatever condition they fall. Muhammad bin Kaab got enormous wealth. People requested him to leave it to his sons, but he refused and said, I will hoard it for myself with God and leave God for my sons. Yahya bin Muaz said, Two conditions appear before a rich man at the time of his death. The predecessors of the successors will find no more danger than these two. He was asked, What are these two calamities? He said, Number one, all of his wealth is separated from him. And number two, he understands that he shall have to render account for his wealth. Benefits of wealth. God has mentioned benefits of wealth in the Quran in many places as khair. God says, if anybody leaves khair, that is wealth, 280, God says, this disclosed their secret wealth out of the mercy of your Lord. He says, he will help you by your wealth and children. The Prophet said, lawful wealth is good for the pious people. He said, poverty was about to become near infidelity. Wealth is good from one point and bad from another point. When it is good, it's praiseworthy, and when it is bad, it is condemned. Wealth is not wholly bad or wholly good, but it's an instrument to do good or to do bad. The Prophet was once asked, Who is the most honorable and wise? He replied, He who remembers death much and becomes prepared for it. Three modes of spiritual fortune. Number one, gift of the soul is knowledge and good conduct. Number two, gift of the body is health and safety. Number three, gift of the world outside the body and soul is wealth, air and light. For all the above three gifts, the gift of the soul is the greatest, the gift of the body is less than that and the gift of the outer world is bad. Out of these gifts, the worst is the gift of wealth and still worse is the gift of gold and silver as they are slaves and they have got no value. Gold and silver have got no value on their own. They are utilized for gaining other gifts. Soul is the most invaluable gift. Its objective is to attain virtues, good conduct and knowledge of God. Body is the carrier and the slave of the soul. The body perfects the soul and the purity of the soul is possible owing to knowledge and good conduct. He who knows this mode knows the functions of wealth which is necessary for the upkeep of the body and the body necessary for the upkeep of the soul. Wealth is good and bad according to intentions. As is the intention, so is the condition of wealth. If the intention is good, wealth is also good. If it is bad, wealth is also bad. The Prophet said, He who takes wealth in excess of what is necessary for him draws his own destruction, but he does not know it. Wealth supplies materials to a man who follows his evil desires. 
For that reason, the Prophet used to seek refuge to God from excessive wealth. Our Prophet used to pray, O God, supply the provisions of the family of Muhammad according to their requirements. He used to pray, O God, keep me alive as a poor man. Take my life as a poor man and resurrect me in the company of the poor. Prophet Ibrahim prayed, O God, save me and my successors from the worship of idols. 1435. By this he meant the worship of gold and silver, as gold and silver are gods of people. The status of prophethood is so high that they had no fear of idol worship, but it is possible here of the fear of worship of gold and silver. The Prophet said, the owners of gold are ruined and the owners of silver are ruined. So it appears that he who loves gold and silver and worships stones and idols. There are two kinds of shirk. One kind is a secret shirk from which hell is not a permanent abode. And another kind is open shirk for which the permanent abode is hell. The Benefits and Harms of Wealth no, O oh dear readers, that wealth is like a snake in which there is both honey and poison. He who knows its honey and poison becomes careful of its harms and enjoys its benefits. The benefit of wealth is worldly and next worldly. Worldly benefits are known to all and the next worldly benefits are of three kinds. Number one, benefit of divine service. It means wealth spent for pilgrimage and jihad is money these virtuous acts cannot be performed without money and health wealth for these purposes is good a poor man is deprived of these virtues the strength that is required for divine service is gained from food dress abode marriage and other necessities of life these things without which divine service is not possible are also actions of worship and divine service this is up to a limit of necessity. Number two, the benefit of spending it in good works. Good works are of four kinds. Number one, charity. Number two, expense for gentle manliness. Number three, expense for preserving honor. And number four, to pray the remuneration for some work. The benefits of charity are not secret. It increases and appeases the wrath of God. The, in, the expense for gentle manliness means entertainment, feeding, presence, help and expense for given satisfaction to the mind of honorable men. By this expense, brotherhood and friendship are established, an attribute of generosity is born. The benefit of preserving honor is to save oneself from the attack of the fools, to uproot the cutting of jokes and etc. The Prophet said, one act of charity is written for one who saves his honor by spending his money. The benefit of payment of wages and remuneration is kind of charity. Zikr is the highest stage of a religious traveler. He who has got no wealth has got to do many things by his own hands for which a great deal of time which could be engaged in zikr is spent uselessly. He who is rich can engage others to do these things and other works. Another benefit of wealth is the ever-running charity. It is not spent for a particular man but for the good of the general public, such as construction of a mosque, a bridge, a rest house, orphanage, house for 
the destitute and helpless, charitable hospitals and other good works of public utility. For these works, the soul will get benefit even after death. These are the religious benefits of wealth. Besides these, one having wealth can save himself from humiliation of begging and poverty and gets honor and help from the people. The harms of health, wealth are of two kinds, worldly and religious. The religious harm are of three kinds. Wealth leads to sins and open doors of sins and thus one is ruined. Number two, it leads to happiness of enjoying lawful things which is the first step to the path of sin. Does a rich man use coarse cloth and rice? Can he give up various kinds of delicious food? Salman, Suleiman was able to give up the fineries of the world in spite of his rule over vast territories. Another harm of wealth is to be forgetful of God and nobody is free from this danger. Man forgets God in his engagement of maintaining his fortunes and wealth. The thing which keeps a man forgetful of God is harmful. Jesus Christ said wealth has got three harms. Number one, it is taken even if it is not lawful. Number two, he was asked if wealth is taken from lawful things. He replied, even then he spends it in an illegal way. Number three, he was asked if he spends it in a legal way. He replied, even if it is keeping him forgetful of God because he engages himself in maintaining and guarding his wealth. This is a serious disease as the root and life of divine service is the remembrance of God and to ponder over God's glory and his wonderful creations. A man having wealth thinks of success of his disputes, of his accounts, quarrels with co-sharers regarding the boundaries, clashes with government officials and peasants and workers and thousand other things of his properties and businesses and industries. We have mentioned in the chapter this is about the harms of greed for wealth. We have mentioned in the chapter of poverty that poverty is good provided one remains content with poverty and not to look to the greed of earning wealth. The prophet said, had the son of Adam had two mountains of gold, he would have surely searched for a third. His belly cannot be filled up except with earth. God accepts the repentance of one who repents. Abu Musa Ashari said, a chapter like the chapter Barats was revealed and it was deleted later on, but the verse remained in the memory of men. God will surely help this religion through such men who have got no share therein. If the son of Adam has got two mountains of gold, he would have searched for a third one full of gold. Nothing can fill up the belly of man except earth. God accepts the repentance of one who repents. The prophet said, there is no satisfaction of two coveted things desire of knowledge and greed for wealth. He also said, the son of Adam gets old, but his two things remain young, hope for a long life and greed for wealth. Merits of satisfaction with poverty. God and his prophet praised one who remains satisfied with poverty. The prophet said, thanks to him who is guided to Islam and remains satisfied with necessary provisions for removing his wants. The prophet said, there is no such man, rich or poor, who will not like to say on the day of judgment that only food, necessary food was sufficient for him in this world. The prophet said, there is no real contentment in enormous wealth. The real contentment is that of the mind.
He said, O people, take care. Search for power in a legal manner, as man will get anything except what has been decreed for him. He will not get anything except what has been decreed for him. No man will leave the world till he enjoys fully the provisions which God has prescribed for him. Moses once asked God, O Lord, who is the richest man amongst your servants? God said, The man who remains satisfied with what has been given to him. Moses asked, Who amongst them is the best judge? God said, The man who is the best judge for himself, meaning he takes utmost measure against him for his own sins. The prophet said, Jibrail inspired in my soul. No man will die till he fully enjoys his provisions. Abu Huraira reported that the Prophet said to him, O Abu Huraira, when you are extremely hungry, take a piece of bread and a cup of water and strike the world away with your feet. The Prophet said, Fear God, you will then become the most religious man. Remain satisfied with little, you will then become the best grateful man. Love for others what you love for yourself, you will then become a real believer. The Prophet said, When you pray, pray in such a manner that you are going to be leaving this world. Don't utter such a word for which you shall have to offer excuses on the day of judgment. Don't greed for things in possession of men. The Prophet said, Will you not take allegiance to the Prophet of God? The companion said, Yes. He said, Do divine service. Don't set up partners with God. Pray five times a day, hear and obey. Then he secretly said, Don't beg to people. The narrator said, After that day, nobody amongst us required anybody to lift even a stick when it fell down. The wise sayings Omar ibn al-Khattab said, Greed is poverty and despair is wealth. He who does not wait to get from the people is not deprived. A wise man was asked, What is wealth? He said, Little hope and satisfaction with necessary things. Muhammad bin Wase used to eat dry bread soaked in water and he said, He who is satisfied with his food does not rely on others. Sufyan Saori said, The world is good for you. Till you do not fall in dangers and calamities in the world, what goes out of your hands is the best thing as a trial over you. Hazrat Ibn Mas'ud said, there is no such a day on which an angel does not proclaim, O son of Adam, necessary little provision is better for you than misguidance by enormous wealth. God said, O son of Adam, if the whole world is given to you, nothing remains belonging to you except what is necessary for you. When I give you necessary food, therefore, I entrust your accounts on others. You will consider that I am merciful on you. A certain sage said, I am an envious man, the most distressed, a contended man, the most happy, a greedy man, the most impatient at the time of distress, a worldly renunciated man, the most happy, and the transgressing learned man is the most repentant. Once a desert Arab rebuked his brother for greed and said, O brother, what do you search and what scratches you? You have got no way from him who searches you, which is death. The necessary things which you search must come to you. The thing which is concealed from your eyes is not secret to you now, that is death. Rather, it is an open fact. The condition in which you are must change. You have 
thought that a greedy man is never dependent and a sage who has renunciated the world does not get provision, it is only your conjecture. A Saint Shivli reported that a hung hunter caught a bird which said, What will you do with me? He said, I shall eat your meat. The bird said, Will you be satisfied with my meat? I am teaching you three words which will be better for you than my meat. I can tell you one word while I am in your hand. I will tell you the second word when you let me off. I will tell you the third word when I am sitting in the valley. He said, Tell me the first word. The, bir the bird said, don't repent what goes out of your hand. Then the hunter released the bird which took shelter on a tree and said, Don't believe an impossible thing. The bird then sat on the valley and said, Woe unto you! If you would have killed me, you would have found two jewels in my belly, each weighing 200 grams. The man became much grieved and said, Tell me your third word. The bird said, How can I tell you the third word? Have I not told you that you should not grieve of what has gone out of your hand and you should not believe an impossible thing? My blood and my meat and my wings do not weigh more than 200 grams. How can I have two jewels of 200 grams in my belly? Then the bird flew away. The story is narrated in order to convince a man how to become blind, how he becomes blind when he has got greed and believes impossible things. The sage Abdul Wahid said, I was passing once by a Christian monk. I asked him, Where from do your provisions come? He said, He who created the crushing wheel in me brings wheat therein for crushing. He then hinted by his teeth. Medicine for greed. The medicine for greed has been prepared by three ingredients. Patient, knowledge and actions. During the use of this medicine, the ingredients come through the following five prescriptions. Number one, the first prescription for removing greed is to adopt a middle path to earn provisions and to remove and cut short your expenditure. He who wishes to get honor of contentment should shut up all doors of his expenses as far as possible and spend what is absolutely necessary for him. If the expense is too much, it is impossible for him to earn the quality of contentment. If he remains single, he should remain content with coarse cloth, with whatever food he gets, and with little curry. If he's got a family, each should take a small portion of things. The middle course is the root of getting contentment for livelihood. The prophet said, God loves the middle course in all affairs. He also said, He who incurs expense does not fall in want. The prophet said, There is salvation in three things. To fear God openly and secretly. To adopt a middle course in expense, in poverty and solvency. And to be just in happiness and in anger. The prophet said, Adoption of the middle course, good treatment and true guidance are a little over one-twentieth of prophethood. He also said, Expense with good arrangement is half of livelihood. He said, God saves one from depending on others who spends moderately and he throws one in want who is extravagant. God loves one who remembers the Almighty. He said, Make delay if you wish to do a thing till God makes out for you a way and means 
to make delay is in expense is very necessary. The second prescription of removing greed is that one should not be anxious for fortunes if he gets his present necessary things at ease. He should curtail his hope. He should not have this he should have this much faith that provision which has been pre-decreed must come to him. Greed cannot take provision. He should put faith in the following verse of the Quran. There is not a single animal in the earth whose provision is not upon God. 11.6 God says, The devil threatens you with poverty and enjoins you to do indecent things. 2.218 A sage said, Once two sons of Khalid came to the Prophet who said to them, Don't be despaired of livelihood till your heads move. That means till you are alive. A man is born sound from his mother's womb without any defect and before his birth God has already prescribed his provisions. The Prophet once passed by Ibn Mas'ud and finding him troubled in his mind said, Don't increase your thoughts. What has been decreed must come to pass. The Prophet said, O people, search for your livelihood in a just manner as nobody will get except what has been decreed for him. Nobody will leave the world till he enjoys fully the provision which has been decreed for him. While the world is an object of hatred, nobody will be free from greed till he believes firmly in the good arrangement of God regarding the measure of provisions. That can be earned in good search after it. He should know that God provides one with provision from where he does not even conceive. God says, Whoever fears God, he finds out a way for him and provides him from where he does not conceive. 65.3 When one door of livelihood is closed, another door is open for him. The Prophet said, God provides the provisions of a believer from a place that he cannot even conceive. Sufyan Saori said, Fear God, I have never found a God-fearing man to fall in want. In other words, God gives the necessary things to God-fearing men and does not leave him. God instills in the minds of Muslims such a feeling that they are led to take their provisions to him. Saint Abu Hazim said, I see two things about the world. One of these two is that the combined strength of the heavens and the earth will not be able to bring before time what has been decreed for me. The other thing is for others. I do not get what has been decreed, what has not been decreed for me. What has been decreed for me must come to me. I don't know which of these two things my life will end. The third prescription of removing greed is to know what merits there are in contentment what honor there is in not depending on others and what disgrace there is in greed. When knowledge of these things will grow, eagerness for contentment will grow as there is difficulty in greed and there is no difficulty in contentment except patience. The Prophet said, The honor of a believer lies in not depending on others but there is freedom and honor in contentment. A certain sage said, you will become an ideal for one from whom you hope un whom you hope unless you depend on him and you will be confined to one 
from whom you hope if you depend on him. If you do benefit to one from whom you hope you will become his master. The fourth prescription of removing greed is to think about the wealth of irreligious people like the Jews and the Christians and the Bedouins and then look at the prophets and friends of God and their sayings and wise counsels and then adopt a way for yourself. You will then say to your intellect, Will you be like the prophets and friends of God or like the irreligious and low-class people? If you feel happiness in getting your belly full of dishes, a donkey is more happy than you in that respect as he eats more than you. If you feel happiness in copulation, a swine is more happy than you in that respect. If you feel happy in dresses and buildings and conveyance, the Jews are more happy than you in that respect. If you feel happy in having little, you will get on less status than others except the prophets and the friends of God. The fifth prescription of removing greed is not to hoard wealth and riches. If wealth is hoarded, there is fear of theft and looting. If the hands remain empty, there is security and leisure. A rich religious man will enter paradise 500 years after a poor religious man. One should look to those who are superior in religion than him and to those who are inferior to him in worldly riches. Abu Var said the Prophet has given him this instruction. Look to your inferiors in worldly matters and look. don't look at your superiors. The root of all affairs is to have patience to remove your hopes and curtail them and to have the knowledge that he will enjoy for long if he keeps patience for a few days in this world. The Merits of Generosity If a man has got no wealth, he should remain content and curtail his greed. If anybody has got wealth, he should adopt isar, that is sacrifice for others, that is generosity and benevolence and should keep away from any narrow-minded people and miserliness as generosity is the conduct of the prophets and it is the root of salvation. The prophet illustrated it by saying, Generosity is a tree of paradise. Its branches are hanging towards the earth. If a man catches a branch therefrom, it will take him to paradise. The prophet said, Jibra'il told me that God said, This religion, that is Islam, I have proposed for myself. Generosity and good conduct increase its grandeur. So honor Islam by these two qualities. The Prophet said, God does not accept one as his friend who has not got generosity and good conduct. The Prophet was once asked, O Prophet of God, which action is good? He said, Patience and generosity. He said, God loves two qualities, good conduct and generosity. God hates two qualities, which is bad conduct and miserliness. When God wishes good for a man, he engages him in good works of public utility. The Prophet was once asked, Give me clues of such an action for which I can go to paradise. He said, The actions which give power is feeding food, spreading peace and sweet talks. The Prophet said, Generosity is a tree of paradise. He who is generous takes hold of one of its branches. He does not give it up till he enters paradise. 
Miserliness is the tree of hell. He who is miser takes hold of one of its branches and he does not leave it till he enters hell. The prophet said, God says, Search good from my kind people. You will then live under their care as I have placed my mercy amongst them. Don't search good of those who are hard-hearted as I have placed my displeasure amongst them. The prophet said, Forgive the faults of a benevolent man as God keeps his faults concealed by God's hands. The prophet said, Mercy depends on a man who gives food so soon that a knife cannot be inflicted on the neck of a camel with greater speed. The prophet said, God is benevolent and he loves good conduct and he hates bad conduct. Anas bin Malik reported that if any person begged anything from the prophet in the name of Islam, he gave it to him. One day a man begged something to the prophet who ordered goats for him. The open space between the two valleys was filled with goats of zakat. He gave all the goats to him. He came back to his clan and said, O my clan, accept Islam. Muhammad gives charity that he does not fear poverty. The Prophet said, God makes some men prosperous with riches so that they may do good to people. He who shows miserliness in doing good to people, God takes it from him and gives it to others. The Prophet said, Everything has got salvation, has fruits. And the fruit of benevolence is salvation. He said, The food of a benevolent man is cure. The food of a miser is disease. He said, He who is a giver of excess gift bears the suffering of many people. He who cannot bear them loses that gift. Jesus Christ said, Take such a thing in excess which cannot be destroyed by the fire of hell. He was asked, What is that? And he said, to do good. The prophet said, paradise is an abode of charity. He also said, the charitable man is near God, near people, near paradise and distant from hell. A miser is distant from God, distant from people, distant from paradise and near hell. The prophet said, do good to all whether in want or not. If you do good to the people, you will remove really your wants. If you do not do it, you will fall in want. The Prophet said, He, those who are inclined within Abdal, that is pious men, will not enter paradise for only prayer and fasting, but will enter paradise for their generosity, purity of heart and for the benefit of advising the people. The Prophet said, God created some matters for the good of the people. Number one, he has made dear to the people doing good to others. Number two, he made dear to the people those who do good to others. Number three, he turned the faces of those who do, who want good to those who do good. He gives charity to them without difficulty as rainwater falling in some dry place brings it back to life and its inhabitants. The Prophet said, Every good act is an act of charity. What a man spends for himself and his family is regarded as an act of charity. He who saves his honor is an act of charity. It becomes the duty of God to give rewards to one who spends. The Prophet said, Every good act is charity. He who guides to a good act will get the rewards of one who does that good act. 
the prophet said to to good to a man rich or poor is an act of charity moses got a revelation don't kill sagir as he is a charitable man why saints a sage said spend worldly riches when they come to you as they will not come to an end hasan ibn ali said on a question to khalif muawiyah the meaning of manhood is to save one's life and religion to treat well with the guest to argue in a good manner and to proceed to one's duty the meaning of courage is to remove the sufferings of a neighbor and to have patience in place of patience the meaning of generosity is to do good before asking to give charity in time and to treat well with a beggar along with charity zainul abidin son of hazrat husain said he is not benevolent a man who gives charity when he is asked for it a benevolent man is he who in obedience to god's commands pays the dues of those to whom they are due before asking and he is not eager to get their gratefulness as he believes firmly that he will get his rewards from god hasan al basri was asked what is generosity he said your charity of wealth in the way of god is called generosity he was asked what is miserliness he said not to spend your wealth in the way of god is miserliness he was asked what is misuse of money he said to spend for the greed of passion is misuse saint jafar as-sadiq said there is no greater wealth than wisdom no greater danger than ignorance and no greater helper than mutual consolation be aware god says i am the great giver honorable no miser can come near me miserliness is included within infidelity and the infidels are in hell benevolence and honor appertain to faith and the believers are in paradise hasan al basri said it is the height of generosity to give in charity of one's own hard earned money some illustrations of benevolence number 1 once khalifa muawiyah sent two full loads of silver coins numbering 180000 to aisha as a present she accepted them and distributed all to the people when she was at dusk she said to her maid servant bring my meal she took a piece of bread and some olive oil and said to aisha we could have broken our fast with meat if you had kept one dirham out of those that you distributed aisha said if you had reminded me i would have given something to you therefrom once muawiyah went on a pilgrimage when he was passing by madina husain told his elder brother hasan not to meet him and not to salute him when muawiyah went to madina hasan informed him that they were in debt his people paid 80000 dinars before this the people of muawiyah went in advance only a camel was left that was given to hasan along with all the money that it was carrying The prophet once said to Jubair bin Awam, "O Jubair, know that the key of provision of men is placed before the throne. God gives to every man in proportion of his expenditure. He gives more provision whose expense is much; he gives less provision whose expense is less." Once a man complained of his wants to a Hasan, who said, "I have got no such wealth as can remove your wants." 
If I give much in charity, it seems little to me. He said, I will accept whatever you give me. He ordered his officer to count the money that he had. What that amounted to 300,000 dirhams and 500 gold coins. He gifted away all the entire amount that he had at that time. Ibn Abbas was governor of Basra. One day, some learned men of Basra said to him, One of our neighbors prays all night and fasts all day. He has got a daughter to be given in marriage, but for the want of money he cannot give her in marriage. Ibn Abbas got up and gifted six bags full of coins to him and said, I will not give him so much money as can divert him from his prayers and fasting. Abul Abdul Hamid bin Sa'ad was one of the governors of Egypt at a time. There was drought one year in his regime, for which prices of food went very high. He began to meet the demands of the people, so much so that he fell in debt of 200,000 dirhams. He mortgaged the ornaments of his entire family to the merchants for the debt, and the ornaments valued about 500 million dirhams. When he could not release the ornaments, he wrote to the merchants, Sell these ornaments and whatever remains after satisfaction of your death should be given to such person who did not get it from who did not get from me anything. When Man bin Zaid was the ruler of Iraq, a poet came to him but he could not get an interview with him. One day the ruler entered the garden having a canal and he sat at the end of the garden by the side of the canal. The poet saw him and wrote a plank of couplets and floated it in the canal. O generosity of man, free me from my wants. Who else will speak for me to man except you? Man lifted the plank and read the couplet. He ordered the poet to be brought to him and gave him 10,000 dirhams. On the second day, he read the couplet and called the poet and gave him 100,000 dirhams. The poet did not receive it, but he had to accept it. On the third day, the poet was searched for, but he could not be found. Then Man said, It is my duty to give him charity till there remains a dirham or a dinar in my entire treasury. Once Hassan, Hussein, and Abdullah ibn Jafar started for pilgrimage from Medina with a camel which was full of food, drinks, and luggage. When it was lost on the way, they were fatigued owing to hunger and thirst. They took shelter to a house wherein there was an old woman. She gave them milk of her goat. They wanted food, but there was nothing except for her goat. She slaughtered the goat and fed them at that time. When they were leaving, they said to the woman, We belong to the Quraysh tribe and we are going for pilgrimage. When we shall return to Medina, you will see us. We will help you at that time. Thereafter, she fell into extreme poverty and came to Medina, where she sewed together the dungs of camel and sell them and maintain herself. One day she was passing by, Alane and Hassan, sitting in his house, saw her and recognized her. He purchased 1,000 goats from the goats of Zakat and gave her those goats along with 1,000 dinars. He also sent, to, sent her to Hussein, who also gave her the same amount. Then Hussein sent her to Abdullah, who gave her 2,000 goats and 2,000 dinars. Then this woman went with 4,000 goats and 4,000 dinars to her husband. Abdullah bin Omar purchased a house situated in the midst of a market belonging to Khalid bin Uqba for 90,000 dirhams. 
When it was night, he heard the cries of the family members of Khalid. On inquiry, he learned that they were crying for the house sold to him. He said to his servants, Tell them that the house along with the money belongs to them. Khalif Harun Rashid once sent a present of 500 dirhams to Malak bin Anas. When Lais bin Saad heard it, he sent Malak 1,000 dinars, along with the dinars of the Khalifa. When the Khalifa learnt, he was enraged and he called Lais, who said, I earn daily not less than 1,000 dinars, and I felt ashamed to give in charity less than one day's income. It was reported that the zakat was not due on Lais for this charity, and that he did not talk to anybody before giving in charity daily to 360 poor people. Said bin Khalid was a charitable man. One day he went to Khalif Suleiman bin Malik, who said to him, Have you got any need? He said, I have got debt. He said, How much? He said, 30,000 dinars. The Khalif said, I give you this sum of payment debt and another similar sum in addition. When Imam Shafi was, in, was on his deathbed, he gave death instructions to a certain man who would wash him. When he died, the man was brought and the written death instruction was given to him. He read it and learnt that he left a debt of 70,000 dirhams. He paid all of his debt and explained that it was what he meant by washing. It is reported that Talha was indebted to Usman for 50,000 dirhams. These were both companions of the Prophet. One day, Talha said to Usman, I have collected money to satisfy your death. Usman said, O Abu Muhammad, I have given it in charity to you, owing to your religious tendencies. The daughter of Auf bin Zaid reported, I went to Talha and found him in a pensive mood. On being asked the reason, he said, I have got some money for which I am thinking. Call my people. When his people were called, he distributed the money amongst them. I asked my servant, how much did he spend today in charity? He said 400,000 dirhams. Once a desert Arab came to Talha, introduced him as a relative and wanted some money. Talha had a landed property which he sold to Usman for 300,000 and, and he gave the money in charity to the man. Condemnation of Miserliness God says, Those who have been saved from miserliness of their minds are the successful ones. 59.8 God says, if those who have been given wealth by God show miserliness, they should never think that it would be good for them, rather it will be harmful for them. The subject about which they are misers will cling around their necks as chains on the day of judgment. That is 3.180. God says, those who are misers and enjoin men to be misers and conceal the wealth which God has given them, News of severe chastisement. The Prophet said, Be careful of miserliness because the nations before you were destroyed for miserliness. Miserliness encouraged them to shed blood amongst themselves and they considered unlawful things as lawful. The Prophet said, Keep away from miserliness as the people before you shed blood amongst themselves. They considered unlawful things as lawful and they cut off blood connections owing to this to its enticement. The Prophet said, The miser, the wrongdoer, the treacherous man, and he who treats bad with the people under his control will not go to paradise. The Prophet said, There are three destructive things, miserliness which is obeyed, passion which is followed, 
and self-praise which is considered good. The prophet said, God is displeased with three people as an old fornicator, a miser who gives trouble and a proud man having a big family. The prophet said, two conducts do not unite in a believer, miserliness and bad conduct. The prophet used to pray, O God, I seek refuge from you for to you from miserliness. I seek refuge to you from cowardice. I seek refuge to you from extreme old age. The prophet said, Save yourselves from miserliness because the nations before you were destroyed by it. Miserliness enjoined them to tell falsehood and so they spoke falsehood. Miserliness enjoined them to make oppression and so they oppressed. Miserliness enjoined them to cut off blood connections and so they cut it off. The prophet said, Man has got two extreme evils, extreme miserliness and extreme cowardice. One man was killed at the time of the prophet. A woman was weeping for him, saying, Where is my martyr? The prophet said to her, Who told you that he has become a martyr? Perchance he uttered such a word which had no necessity to utter and or was miserly with the matter for, his, for which his expense was necessary. It was reported by Zubair bin Muatsim that when the Prophet was returning home after the siege of Khaybar, some desert Arabs drove him to a place full of thorns after begging something from him. The Prophet said, By one in whose hand there is my life, had I the wealth to the number of these thorns, I would have distributed it amongst you, and you would have not found me a miser, liar, and a coward. The Prophet said, No man has miserliness and faith united in his mind. He said, No believer should be a miser and a coward. He said, You say that an oppressor is more disliked by God than a miser? What oppression is greater to God than the oppression of miserliness? God says on oath of his glory and honor, No narrow-minded man and a miser shall enter paradise. Once was the Prophet circumambulating the Kaaba and found a man catching the cover of the Kaaba saying, O God, forgive me by virtue of this holy Kaaba. The Prophet said, Tell me your sin. He said, My sin is greater, greater than mountain, sea, sky, throne. The Prophet said, Is your sin greater than God? He said, God is the greatest. The Prophet said, Tell me your sin. He said, I had enormous riches and beggars used to come to me to beg. Then it appeared to me, that they were approaching me with sticks of fire. The Prophet said, Be off from me, except I may be consumed by the fire. By one who sent me with guidance, if you pray for 200,000 years standing between this Rokan and Maqam, and then weep so much that your tears run a river, and as a result, trees grow thereafter, you die on miserliness, God will roll you down in hell. Woe unto you! You know that miserliness is infidelity and infidelity is in hell. Don't you know what God says? He who is a miser shows miserliness against himself and those who are saved from miserliness of his soul are indeed successful. Why sayings? Muhammad bin Munqadir said, It is well known that when God does not wish good of a people, he gives power to the impious of them to rule over them and places their provisions in the hands of misers of them. 
Once a woman was praised before the Prophet. They said that she fasts all year round and prays the whole night, but she has got miserliness. The Prophet said, Then what good does she possess? The Saint Bashar said, The heart becomes hard if look is cast on the misers and trouble comes to the heart of the believers if they meet with the misers. Ihya bin Muaz said, There grows love in the mind for charitable person and there goes hatred in the mind for the miser even if they are virtuous. Once Prophet Yahya, that is John the Baptist, saw the devil in his own form and asked him, O devil, inform me who is dearest to you and the most hated. The devil said, The dearest to me is the miserly believer and the most hated is a charitable sinner. On being asked its cause, he said, Miserliness of the miser is sufficient for me. If the charitable man commits sin, I fear God shows him mercy on him for his generosity. Merits of Isar Merits of Isar That is, sacrifice for others. There are degrees of generosity and miserliness. Isar, or the sacrifice for others, is the highest stage of generosity. Isar is the name of charity to one another for a thing which is required by the charitable person himself. So he does not look to his own inconvenience, but he gives a thing which is badly needed to remove the wants of another. The last limit of benevolence is to remove the wants of another in spite of the fact that he requires the thing gifted by him very badly. The last limit of miserliness is to be a miser to oneself in spite of the fact that he requires it currently. He falls ill but does not take medicine. He has got greed for many things but does not purchase them as they are dear in the market. God praised the companions of the Prophet for their self-sacrifice for others, in spite of the fact that they required those things. God says, They preferred self-sacrifice when they are in wants. The Prophet said, If a man has got a desire for anything but fulfills the desire of another with that thing, leaving his desire unfulfilled, God forgives his sins. Ayesha said, The Prophet of God could not eat with his heart's content for consecutive three days till his death. He could have eaten to our heart's content if we wished, but we left our wants unfulfilled and, and fulfilled the wants of other people. Once a guest came to the Prophet, he could not gather food for him for his wives. Then an Ansar came there and took the guest to his own house. He placed the food before the guests and told, him, told his wife to extinguish the lamp. In darkness the host showed us as if he was taking food with the guest, as there was not sufficient food for the guest. The guest ate to his heart's content. When it was dawn, the Prophet said to him, God is pleased with you, as you have treated well with your guest last night, and reveal this verse. They, the Ansar, remove the wants of others without looking to their own wants. Benevolence is an attribute of God, and Isar or self-sacrifice is its highest stage. The Prophet had such quality of self-sacrifice for which God gave him the title that you are upon sublime character. That is 68.4. Sage Sahal Tastari said, 
Prophet Moses said, O God, show me the superiority of Muhammad and his followers. O God said, O Moses, you have got no power to see his superiority. Yet I will show you such superiority of his which I have given you and all the people. God then disclosed the heavenly region to him. He looked to such a rank which was about to destroy him owing to its dazzling light. Moses said, For what action did he get that rank? God says, For such a conduct with which I have ordered him specially, that is, Isar, or sacrifice for others. O Moses, I feel ashamed to take account of any of his followers who will follow this Isar even once in their lifetime. He will be given place in my paradise which he will wish. It is reported that Abdullah bin Zubair went to see a garden. On his way, he entered a garden of grapes belonging to another person. He saw a black slave with food in front and a dog was present there. The slave threw a piece of bread in front of the dog who ate it. Then he gave the dog another piece of bread, which he had. Thereafter, he gave a third bread to the dog, which he ate. Abdullah was looking at it and said, What quantity of food do you get daily? He replied, This is what you have seen. This is all I get. He asked, Why have you given this to the dog without fulfilling your need? He said, There is no dog in this region. This dog has come from a very long distance and is hungry. Therefore, I do not win wish to eat the bread. He asked, How can you go on today? He said, I will bear hunger. Abdullah thought within himself, People tell me that I am a philanthropic man. I see the slave more philanthropic than me. Then he gave the garden to the slave and purchased his freedom. Umar ibn al-Khattab said that when a companion of the Prophet was presented with a head of a goat, he said, The want of my brother Muslim is greater than mine. He sent it to him. The latter also thought the same and sent it to a third Muslim. Thus the head of the goat roamed to seven houses and returned to the same person who started the first man. The Quraysh youth one day surrounded the house of the Prophet in order to kill him. Ali bin Abu Talib, in order to save his life, thought his life insignificant and went to the bed and lie down on the bed of the Prophet. God then addressed Jibrail and Mikail and said, I have established brotherhood amongst you and gave you equal period of life. Where who is there amongst you who can sacrifice his life for another? Both of them prefer to save their own lives. God then said to him, Why could you not show the example like Ali? I have established brotherhood between Ali and Muhammad, and Ali is spend, spending the night by lying upon the bed of Muhammad in order to save the life of Muhammad. Go to the earth, O Jibrail and Mikail and save him from his enemies. Jibrail began to protect his head, and Mikail was near his feet. Jibrail said to Ali, Blessed you are, blessed you are. There is no comparison with you. God is taking boast of you before the angels. God then sent the revelation. There is a man amongst men who sacrifices his life in search for the pleasure of God and God is merciful over his servants. 2. 
207. More than 30 pious people lived with Hassan Antaki, who was a sage. Once they stayed in a village within the province of Rai with some pieces of bread which were not sufficient for food for all of them. They broke their bread into pieces and extinguished the light and they sat for eating. When the cloth was lifted up, it was seen that the bread remained as they were before. None of them ate it. Everyone showed self-sacrifice for another and gave an opportunity to his comrades. Hazrat Husayfa reported, Many Muslims were martyred in the Battle of Yarmouk. I was seeking to give water to my cousin in the battlefield. When I found him, I gave water to him to drink. Just at that moment, a man by his side raised a cry, Water, water! My cousin told me to give water first to that man. When I came to him with the water, I recognized him and he was Hisham bin As. I said to him, I am giving you water. Just at that time, another man was crying, Water, water! Hisham then gave a signal that he should go to the second man. Before I came to him with the water, he breathed his last. Then I came to Hisham with water only to find that he had also died. Then I came to my cousin with water only to find that they had also expired. Abbas bin Ithkham reported, Man cannot go out to the world in the condition in which he came to the world. Only the saint Bashar Hafi remained in that condition. At that time of his death, one man came to him and complained of his wants. He gifted him the only shirt that he had and put on another after borrowing it from another, and then he died. The Limits of Charity and Miserliness One party says that, there, that not to spend where Sharia orders to spend is the limit of miserliness, and that he who pays what is obligatory on him is not a miser. Another party says that, there is, that he is a miser who feels pain in giving charity. Similarly, there are differences regarding the limit of charity. Some people say that the limit of charity is that which is given without rebuke. Some say that it is charity which is given without asking. The fact is that wealth has been created with a special objective, that is to remove the want of men, not to spend where expense is compulsory is miserliness. To spend where it is compulsory, not compulsory, is extravagance. The middle course between these two extremes is the good path. God says, don't keep your hands tied to your neck, nor spread them the most. 7.29 God says, when they spend, they don't misuse, nor are miser. They stand between these two. 25.67 to, so to spend wealth proportionately and to save money to the compulsory proportion is generosity. This is not sufficient if it is given by bodily limbs, by satisfaction of the mind is necessary without any dispute or arguments. There are two kinds of compulsory expense, compulsory according to the Sharia and compulsory to preserve honor, dignity and manliness. A benevolent man does not hesitate to spend according to the requirements of the Sharia as well as gentle manliness. If he does not spend as described above, he will be regarded a miser. He who does not spend according to the dictates of the Sharia 
is more miserly. For instance, if a man does not pay zakat and does not spend for the maintenance of his family, he is a miserly man. If he feels pain in this expenditure, he is miserly by nature. To spend for gentlemanliness and honor is also charity as narrow-mindedness is an evil thing. This differs according to the economic condition and personality of a man. If miserliness is shown to a wealthy man, it is more reprehensible than then it is shown to a poor man. The treatment of miserliness shown to family members and relatives is more reprehensible than that shown to the strangers. Treatment of miserliness shown to the neighbors is more than that of treatment to a stranger. The treatment of miserliness shown in entertainment is more reprehensible than that shown to strangers. The treatment of miserliness shown in food, dresses, feasts and presents is worse than that in other receipt. So, want of expenditure where expenditure is necessary is miserliness. It is compulsory according to the Sharia or gentlemanly behavior. The limit of miserliness is not to spend in necessary things and proper places. It is better than hoarding up your money. So, he who does not pay zakat is a miser. To spend for gentlemanly behavior is more necessary than to save money. There remains another stage which is this. A man spends money in his compulsory duties and gentlemanly behavior if he has got surplus wealth and if he does not spend it in charities and for those in wants, he entertains the thought of hoarding it which is miserliness according to pious men though it is not miserliness according to the general public. He who spends money according to the Sharia and gentlemanly behavior gets released from being termed a miser but he cannot be called generous and benevolent till he spends in addition to the optional duties for getting a higher rank in religion. A man is called philanthropic if he spends in charity in addition to his compulsory charities and in furtherance of his gentle manly requirements. Expense in good works. He who spends in good works can be called philanthropic provided he gives in charity with contented mind and under no pressure or hopeful of any service or reward. A female saint went to Hilal who was at the time surrounded by his disciples. The woman asked him, what is philanthropy? They said, charity, expense and self-sacrifice. The woman said, it is worldly charity with the satisfaction of mind without being dissatisfied in divine service. The woman asked, don't you hope for reward thereof? They replied, God promised to give ten rewards for one act of charity. The woman said, if you get merits in exchange for an act of charity, how can it be called philanthropy? The woman said, the meaning of philanthropy to me is to give charity with the pleasure of mine in obedience to God's commands without hoping for reward. Another female said that philanthropy means sacrifice of life along with expenses of money. Saint Sohashi said, 
The meaning of charity in religion is to sacrifice one's life for God voluntarily and not under the compulsion and hoping any reward. Medicine for miserliness. Know, oh dear readers, that miserliness arises out of love for wealth, which again comes to pass for two reasons. Number one, to satisfy passions and desires which cannot be fulfilled without wealth and hope for a long life. Hope for a long life is conjoined with the existence of children and it is a, also a cause of miserliness. The Prophet said, Children are the cause of man's miserliness, cowardice and ignorance. The second cause of love of wealth is the love of wealth itself. There are men whose habit is to hoard, men, uh, hoard money and not to spend even though they have got sufficient wealth to meet necessary things during the rest of their lives. It is seen that one who has got no children in his old age but has got enormous wealth. Still, he does not pay zakat and does not undergo treatment for his diseases. Rather, he worships money and loves money for itself. Even he buries money under the ground, although he knows that after his death, his money will be destroyed. This is extreme misguidance. The medicine of every disease is to apply the opposite thing to the root cause of the disease. The medicine of greed is satisfaction with little and patience. The medicine of long hope is the remembrance of death too much and to think of sudden death of contemporaries. Similarly, the medicine of miserliness is to remember its condemnation by the Quran in the Hadith and the sayings of wise men and to spend money in charity without which the disease of miserliness cannot be removed. Another noble method of removing it is to remove one evil by another. In other words, Spend money to acquire name and fame and to be known in the society as a philanthropic man. Though the motive is evil, yet it is it will habituate you to spend money. So acquire the will of show by removing the evil of miserliness. So a lesser evil is sometimes good to remove a greater evil. The weak evils become the objective of food of the strong evils Till there remains only one strong evil after all the evils have been crushed. This is just like some worm eats up the dead body of an animal. The strong worm eats up the small worms after the meat is finished. Till there remains only one strong worm which also dies in the end for the want of food. Miserliness orders the hoarding of wealth. When it is not hoarded but rather spent again and again in spite of unwillingness, there occurs the death of miserliness and expense becomes the habit and no difficulty is felt in spending. The medicine of miserliness is based on knowledge and action. The, to know the evil of miserliness and rewards of charity and generosity is the medicine based on knowledge. To give in charity in spite of unwillingness is the medicine based on action. A king was presented the most valuable cup made of rare pearls. The king was greatly pleased to get it and asked a wise courtier how he liked it. The courtier said, I consider it a great danger and perchance it will throw you into wanton distress. The king said, how can this happen? The courtier said, if it is broken, it will be an object of great repentance for you as the like of it will not be found, something similar to it. 
If it is stolen by a thief, you will feel its want very keenly. By chance, the cup was broken or it was stolen. The king then felt very worried and said that the sayings of the wise courtier were correct. This event is applicable to all things in the entire world. Duties above about wealth For the above reasons, wealth is good from one point of view and bad from another point of view. Wealth is like a snake. The charmer takes out its poison after catching it. A layman will be struck with poison if he catches it without knowing its charms. So, those ghosts whose ghost to catch the snake of wealth before knowing the charms of wealth, it becomes the object of ruin. There are five charms of the poisons of wealth. Every rich man should know them. Number one. The first charm is to appreciate the benefit of wealth, why it has been created, what is its necessity and why it should be earned. These should be known beforehand along with the fact that wealth beyond necessity should not be kept. Wealth beyond necessity is not required to be kept. Number two, the second charm is to search the mode of earning wealth. Unlawful earning is to be given up like poison as bribe-taking, begging and stealing. Third charm is proportion of earning wealth. Earning of excess wealth should be avoided. It should be earned only what is necessary. What is necessary for food, what is necessary for clothing and habituation should be earned. There are three stages of each of these object, of these three subjects low, medium and high stages. So, long as you remain near the low stage and near the necessary limit, you have got rights therein. When you cross that limit, you will fall in the lowest of hell. The fourth charm. The fourth charm is to keep honest and good motive in earning money in expenditure and in savings. Earning money is necessary to gain easiness in doing divine service. If money is acquired with this intention, it will injure you. Earning money is necessary to gain easiness in doing divine service. If money is acquired with this intention, it will injure you. Ali Bani Talib said, If one becomes an owner of all things of the entire world and thereby he wishes to have the pleasure of God, he can be called worldly renunciated man. If one, however, renunciates all wealth but does not wish to have the pleasure of God, he cannot be called a worldly renounce, renounced man. So, in all your actions and movements, keep yourself confined to the divine service and those things which help your divine service, the actions which are nearest to divine service are food and removal of wants, which are helps to divine service. If by these actions your objective is divine service, they are considered as divine service. So every worldly action is done for getting divine pleasure and divine service. Your dress, your sleep, your food and drinking are all divine service. If done with that intention, what you earn beyond what is necessary should be spent for good of the people when they require it. A certain poet said, The world is like a serpent that pours poison, but the snake salutes one 
who knows its charms. Condemnation of wealth and praise of poverty. We shall show here that poverty is better than wealth by some illustrations, stories and sayings. Jesus Christ said, O dishonest learned man, you fast, you pray, you pay zakat, but you do not do what you were ordered and you read and you read what you do not do. What you utter is very bad. You utter Tawba by your mouth, but you follow in your heart your passions. Your Tawba by your mouth will come to no use. You keep your outer appearances neat and clean, but your mind is polluted and unclean. I will tell you with truth that you should not become like a sieve. Subtle things come out of a sieve and only outward forms remain. Words of wisdom come out of your mouth, but hatred and evil remains in your mind. O worshipper of the world, how can you gain the fortunes of the next world when there is no end to your greed and temptation? I tell you with truth that your hearts are weeping, seeing your actions. You have placed the world under your tongue and actions are under your feet. I tell you with truth that you have destroyed your next world. Earthly good is dearer to you than the good of the next world. Who are the bigger losers than you are? Had you known, you would have gained for your own self. You show the path to travellers but remain in the same place being misguided. You call the worldly people to give up those things which are things that you like. Stop, stop, alas, for you. What is the use of keeping a lamp on top of a house in a dark house? Similarly, what will be the use of keeping the lamp of education in your mouth? O worshipper of the world, you are not like the pious men, like the free respected men. It is a wonder that the world will cut off your roots and throw them over your faces and then enter your nostrils. Then it will throw you into hell. Sage Haris said, O brothers, three evil learned men are the names of the people and their trials. They are attached to the wealth of the world and eager for worldly advancements. They have preferred this worldly treasure than those of the next world and humiliated religion for the world. They are owners of high rank in this world, but they are losers in the hereafter. Don't you see that the Prophet said, Don't hold up wealth on the plea that the companion of the Prophet Abdullah Abdul Rahman bin Auf was a greatly rich man during the time of the Prophet. When he died, Kaab said that he earned lawfully and left lawful wealth. When the companion Abu Zar heard it, he flew into rage on Kaab and found him near Uthman bin Affan and said, O Kaab, you think that there is no fault in the wealth left behind by Abdul Rahman? The Prophet took me one day to the mountain of Uhud and said, O Abu Zar, the rich will become poor on the day of judgment, except those who spend to their right, to their left, to their front and their back, and their numbers are very few. O Abu Zar, if thereby, if there be my wealth equal to the mountain of Uhud, 
it would not be good for me if I leave therefrom even to Khirat at the time of my death. You wish to have greater wealth, but I wish to have very little wealth. O Abu Dhar said to Kaab, You say that there is no fault in the properties left behind Abdul Rahman bin Auf? Then he went out. Hazrat Hari said, We heard that there were a great row when several camels, loads of merchandise of Abdul Rahman arrived at Medina. Aisha asked, Why is this row of camels? She was told that the merchandise has come. Then he said, I heard the Prophet say, I saw paradise and saw that the poor refugees are entering paradise. I saw no rich man entering there except Abdul Rahman who was going there crippling. Abdul Rahman said, I give in charity in the way of God all the merchandise and I give liberty to all men and female slaves along with it so that I can enter paradise with them running. The Prophet said to Abdul Rahman, You will enter paradise first amongst my rich companions, but you will enter their crippling. Riches of Companions It is true that some companions of the Prophet were rich, but these riches were for the expense, for those who were unable to earn, and they were used in the way of God and His Prophet. They earned lawfully, they spent lawfully, our lawful foods, they paid their dues of wealth, and they were not misers. They threw almost all the riches in the way of God, and they preferred poverty for themselves. They felt sorry when wealth came to them, and thought that punishment for sins has approached them. When they saw poverty coming to them, they welcomed it, a certain companion used to say. I feel joy when there remains nothing in my house at dawn and the prophet is my ideal. I become grieved when there is something in my house as the prophet of God is my ideal. The prophet said, Those whose bodies grow by luxurious enjoyments are the worst amongst my people. He also said, He who is grieved at the loss of his earth in the world comes one month near hell. He also said, The love for the next world goes out from the heart of a man who loves this world and feels joy in this world. The companions of the Prophet save themselves from lawful things more than the way you save yourself from unlawful things. What is now not a fault with you was a destructive fault with them. They used to look upon miser sins as great, as you regard great the great sins. What you regard as lawful wealth was considered by them doubtful. They used to fear the non-acceptance of their good works. You fear it now for your bad deeds. Your fasting is like their non-fasting. Your efforts in divine service is like their sleep. Your entire good deeds are like one of their sins. A certain companion said, I have given up seventy saucers of lawful earnings except that I fall into an unlawful thing. The Prophet said, He who dares to accept doubtful things. A certain sage said, Don't you know that to give up one dirham for the fear of God is better for you than to give in charity 
1000 gold coins of doubtful nature between lawful and unlawful things. A certain companion said, It does not seem good to me that I earn 1000 dinars lawfully and spend it in the way of God, for which I lose prayer in Jamaat. The people asked him, What is this reason? He said, The reason is that I will not be able to absolve myself from the accounts of which such a nature on the day of judgment. God will say, O my servant, wherefrom have you earned this money and what way have you spent it? In spite of the wealth being lawful, they gave it up for the fear of rendering accounts before God. There are some cases that when a companion got heritage, he gave it up for the fear that it may injure his mind. The prophet said, He who will face accounts will get punishment. He also said, On the day of judgment, a man will be brought for rendering accounts. He earned lawfully, he earned wealth illegally and spent it illegally. He will be said, Take this man to hell. Another man will be bought. He hoarded lawful wealth and spent it legally. He will be said, wait, wait, perchance you could not pray in time in search for wealth and you could not make prostration wealth. He will say, O Lord, I have unlawful wealth. I did not destroy your compulsory duties. He will be said, perchance by boast of your wealth, you rode on good conveyance and put on valuable dresses and you took pride. He will say, O my Lord, I have not taken boast. God will say, you have perchance not performed your duties towards your relatives, your orphans, the poor and the travellers. He will say, I did not neglect my duties. I earned lawfully and I spent lawfully. He will be said, bring gratefulness for the food, drink and other dubious things that I gave you. Thus God will ask questions to him. The prophet said, the poor refugees will enter paradise 500 years before the rich refugees. He also said, The poor believers will enter paradise before the rich believers. They will be engaged in enjoyment of food and drink when the rich will remain bent down on their knees. God will say, I have got questions to ask you. You have wielded power over men. You were kings and rulers over them. Now inform me what actions you have done with the gifts that I gave you. Abu Bakr was once thirsty, and a cold drink with honey was brought to him. He drank it, but soon after that began to cry. On being asked the reason, he said, Once I was with the Prophet and there was nobody else, he was throwing away something from his body and saying, Be off me, be off me. I said, May my parents be sacrificed for you. I don't see anybody before you. Whom do you address? He said, I am addressing it to the world. It has extended its hands and necks towards me and said, O Muhammad, take me. I said, Be off from me. The world said, O Muhammad, though you have saved yourself from me, your successors will not be able to save themselves from me. I fear, except that I be one of those men. A certain pious successor of the companions was asked about two men. Who amongst them is better? One man searches wealth in a lawful manner, shows kindness on relatives and spends it in good works. Another man gives up wealth and does not search for it. He said, By God, there is a great deal of difference between them. He who gives up wealth is better, and there is between them the distance of east and the west. The prophet said, 
Those who will be chiefs in paradise amongst the believers are those who do not procure their night meal after their morning meal, who did not get any loan when asked for, who had no cloth except for what they cover their shame, and who could not procure even their necessary things, yet they were satisfied with their Lord at all times. They are those people on whom God has showered his blessings, the prophets, the truthfuls, and the martyrs, and the religious people. How good are they as companions? After these narrations, if you want to hoard up wealth, and you promise that you will do good deeds, your world will not come out true. In this age, we are deprived of lawful things. How can we expect to live on lawful food and lawful dress? Abu Umama Baheli reported that Salaba once asked the Prophet, O Prophet of God, pray to God that he may grant me wealth. He said, O Salaba, to express gratefulness for little wealth is better than enormous wealth for which gratefulness cannot be expressed. He said, O Prophet of God, pray to God that he may grant me wealth. He said, O Salaba, will you not adopt an ideal? Are you not satisfied to be with the Prophet of God? Be aware, by one in whose hand there is my life, if I wish, this mountain will be filled up with gold and silver. He said, by one who sent me as a true prophet, if you pray to God to grant me wealth, I will pay dues to everyone. I will do this and that work. The prophet prayed, O God, give provisions to Salaba. He took some goats which began to increase like worms. He began to live with these goats in the suburbs of Medina. He could not pray in congregation except noon and afternoon prayers. When the goats increased to a great deal, he could not pray in congregation except Juma prayers. When the goats still increased, he gave up Juma prayers. One day the Prophet inquired of him when he did not find him in congregation. The people said he is engaged in grazing goats in the outskirts of Medina. The Prophet said, O Salaba, alas for you. Then the following verse was revealed. Take zakat from their properties. That will purify them and pray for them. Your prayer is consolation to them. This is the first verse on the realization of zakats. The Prophet engaged two people to realize zakat from the Muslims. They both went to Salaba and asked zakat from him in accordance with the order of the Prophet. He said, It's nothing but poll tax. Show me your letter of appointment. When it was shown, he said, this is the sister of poll tax. They returned to the Prophet and informed him of it. Then God revealed this verse. There are such people amongst them who promise to God, if he grant, him, grant them wealth, they will pay its dues and become religious people. When he granted them wealth, they were miserly to it and turned their faces. So he punished them with such hypocrisy that will last up to the day on which they will meet with their Lord as they promised with God and they treated falsely. At that time, there was a relative of Salaba near the Prophet. He informed Salaba of this verse. When Salaba came to the Prophet and requested him to take zakat from him, but he said, God prohibited me to take your zakat. Then he began to besmear dust on his face and the Prophet said, This is your action. I have enjoined you, but you have not obeyed me. Then Salaba returned to his house. After the demise of the Prophet, he came to Abu Bakr, 
who also refused to accept his zakat. Thereafter, he went to Omar, who also used to refuse his zakat during the caliphate of Omar ibn al-Khattab. He died. This shows you how wealth works in the minds of people. The Prophet preferred poverty for himself and his family members. Hazrat Imran bin Hussein said that he had a rank and honor before the Prophet. One day the Prophet said to him, O Imran, will you go with me to see the illness of Fatima, the daughter of the Prophet? Then I said, O Prophet of God, I will go with you. Then we came to the house of Fatima. When the Prophet knocked at the door and sought permission to enter the house, she said, who is with you? He said, Umran, Imran bin Hussein. Fatima said, By one who sent you a prophet with truth, I have got nothing to put on except an old blanket which does not cover my whole body. The prophet said, Cover your head with a piece of cloth. Then after permission, the prophet entered with Imran. When questioned about her wealth, she said, By God's mercy, I have got a pain. Besides this, I have got nothing to eat. Hunger gives me trouble. At this the Prophet started to cry and said, O darling, have patience. I am more honorable near God than you. If I prayed to my Lord, he would have given me food, but I prefer the next world more than this world. Then he placed his hands on the shoulder of Fatima and said, Hear a good news. By God, you will be the queen of women of paradise. Fatima asked, Then where will be I, Asiya, the wife of Fir'aun, and Mary, the daughter of Imran, that is, Mother Mary. He said, Asiya will be the queen of her contemporary women, and Mary will be the queen of her contemporary women, and Khadija will be the queen of her contemporary women. You will all reside in buildings made of jewels where there will be no sorrow. He then said to Fatima, Remain satisfied with my cousin Ali. By God, I have married you to such a person who is a king in this world and of the next world as well. Now, see how the Prophet preferred poverty for his own beloved daughter Fatima. Hazrat As reported that a man wished to accompany Jesus Christ in his travel. They both came to the bank of a river and sat to eat this morning meal with three pieces of bread. Each of them ate one, and there remained one piece of bread only. Jesus Christ then got up and drank water in the river. On return, he did not find the remaining bread there and asked his companions, Who has eaten the bread? He said, I don't know. When they both went on the journey, till they found a deer with two young ones, they caught one, sacrificed it, and ate its meat. Then Jesus Christ said to the young one, Rise up with the permission of God. Then it rose up alive. Then he asked his companion, By him who showed you this miracle, tell me who ate the remaining bread. He said, I don't know. Both came to the bank of a river, and Jesus Christ caught the hand of his companion and crossed it by walking over water. And then he asked his companion, By one who showed you this miracle, I ask you, who ate the remaining bread? He said, I don't know. Then he reached a region full of dust. Jesus Christ gathered a heap of sand together and said, Be gold by the permission of God. Then Jesus divided it into three portions and said, One portion is for myself, one is for you, and another is for the man who ate the remaining bread. 
The man said, I ate the remaining bread. Jesus Christ said, All the diversions of gold are for you. Then he became separate from him, and then they went away. The man met in that place two other men who saw the heaps of gold with him and wished to get them by killing the man. They sent the man to purchase food for them. The man thought to kill the two people, so he went to purchase the food. He purchased poison and the bread and mixed it together and came to the two men. The two men thought that they should kill the other man. When he had come with the bread and appropriate the heaps of gold, when the man came with the food mixed with poison, they at once killed him. Then they ate the bread mixed with poison and they both died. The dead bodies of three people lay there. Jesus Christ returned by that way and saw the dead bodies and said, This is the world, so fear this world. Once Zulkarnain Alexander came to a people who had no wealth. They dug graves and they prayed inside the graves. They used to eat grass like animals. Alexander called the chief of them, but they refused to come, saying that they initially said, I have got no necessity to go to him. Alexander himself went to him and said, I find you in such a condition in which I have found no man. You have got nothing of this world. Don't you use gold and silver? They said, We hate these two things, and whoever gets them wants more of them. We want what is better than that. He asked them, Why do you pray within graves? He said, When you look at look to the graves, the world cannot attract to you. Jesus Alexander said, asked, Why do I not see you eating food? He said, We hate to make our bellies graves of meat and take grass and leaves as necessary food. This is sufficient for the children of Adam. All things become equal if they go down the belly be they delicious foods or leaves. Then he took a skull from behind Alexander and asked, Oh, Alexander, do you know what this is? He was a king of a vast empire, but he began oppression. When God saw it, he caused his death and dug his skull underneath the ground. Thereafter, he dug out an old skull and said, Oh, Alexander, do you know who this was? He came after the former king. He treated well with his subjects and did good and established justice. God will reward him on the day of judgment. Then he took a skull with two horns and said, O Alexander, look to this man having two horns like you. Alexander said, Can I live with you and can I get you as my friend and member? He said, We can't live together in the same place as all men are your enemies and they are our friends. Alexander asked, What is the reason? They said, They are your enemies because you have got a vast empire and you have enormous wealth. And they are our friends because we have got nothing in this world. Then Alexander went away from that place. Jazakallah khair. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.